is an illicit radio program. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome. Got a selection of good things on sale, stranger. Hello there, and welcome to another episode of The Bazaar. I'm your host, Richard, and this is the fortnightly horror podcast, giving you the very best from the pages to the screen and everything in between. This is episode 10. We've made it to the big double digits, and with that tonight, I have double the guests. But more on that now in a second. You've probably seen their names, obviously, in the title. But just uh, a little bit of housekeeping. I'd just like to thank everyone so far for making the show possible, both listeners and guests. You've been absolutely fantastic along the way. I was to announce last episode, but I forgot that we're just after smashing 500 downloads, but we're actually into the mid-600s now, so that's absolutely fantastic. The show is growing by the week, so thank you again. Uh, I think we're still in the running for a tripod, so if you could suggest the podcast to friend or family and get that extra listener in for that horror goodness that would be absolutely fantastic i was trying to get something ready for this episode uh we're just missing out on a worldwide reveal and premiere i won't say too much on that until it's ready but let's just say hopefully it'll be ready by the next full moon uh for any keen listeners there you might have an idea what i'm talking about uh, so, moving on to my guests are Chloe Hendrickson and Philip G. Carl Jr. They are running PGC Studios and about to embark on their first feature film adventure, having made a couple of short films, The Honeymoon Phase, and it's a joint venture with their sort of spin-out Fear Crypt Productions. So, we talk a little bit about that, how that's going to go and currently what they've done, doing, and will do. Uh, it's a nice little chat, and I hope you enjoy it too. If I sound a little bit sick, it's because I was, and am, I'm a little bit blocked up, but uh, I hope that doesn't detract from the fun conversation that we had. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy episode 10 of The Bazaar. Hello, Chloe and Philip. Welcome to the show. How are things with you this evening? Good, Richard. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm just back from work, but it's a nice lunchtime over in Philadelphia, I believe. Is that where you're based? <laughs> yes. Yes. We're all filled up with our lunch and, and ready to have a nice chat. <laughs> yeah. And ready for the weekend. It's the Friday Friday feeling. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We're counting down the hours. We have We have a film festival tonight and tomorrow night that we're going to. So not too much of a, a relaxing weekend, but Sunday I think is our chill day, so we're looking forward to that. Well, we could nearly discuss that, but first, for people in the audience who might know about you, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourselves? Let's start with yourself, Chloe. Yeah, um, so I run Sacred Productions, which is the horror studio of PGC Studios, and we have um, so far only done one short film under that production but we are gonna be you know as fans grow then we can like make more films so you do the photo shoots yes i do like sfx horror so i'm like the horror person of the whole studios because he philip does not like horror (laughs) no 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 well (laughs) there's out there that's an awful foot to start off on. i'm gonna get crucified here no i (laughs) I enjoy horror. I have more of a, a drama background, 
And if within the horror realm, I probably identify more with like psychological thrillers because um, I think it combines the best of, of both worlds, which I'm sure we'll get to it. But that's why with our feature film, we're, we kind of married the two <laughs> into a psychological thriller. But. Yeah, because you're looking to actually go full feature with the honeymoon phase. Is that correct? Yes. It's your yeah, first it's... dive into full feature length. Yep. Yeah, we've and, been doing short films for a while, and uh, we're ready to kind of take the next uh, step into the, the feature film realm. <laughs> so kind of going back a little bit further, when did you set up your studio? So PGC Studios was originally um, the name that I used when I was in uh, elementary school that I made movies under um, because I figured, you know, Disney, Universal, they all have big names. So if I was going to make my movies to share with my, uh, you know, friends, families, cousins, um, I needed a studio name. So uh, my name's Philip Jared Carroll. So that's where the PGC comes from. And the name kind of stuck from there. So I think I was like 10 years old when I came up with it. And uh, there have been multiple points over the years that I was thinking about changing it because I was like, ah, it sounds kind of arrogant, like, oh, the studio is named after like my initials. But Chloe thought it was really cool that I started it when it, I was a kid and to kind of see it through fruition to like a professional company. She was like, you should keep the name. So it stuck. <laughs> and then she got sick of it and she spun out with Fear Crypt Productions. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, and then she well, went in that direction. Well, I, um, Fear Crypt was just kind of like the same thing as what Philip did when he was like 10 with that name. I um, wanted to make, Philip was making all like drama shots and I wanted to make a horror movie and I was back in England and I had a few weeks of like not nothing to do. So I made a short horror film, and I was like, oh, I'm just going to make up a company, <laughs> because like, you can't. <laughs> and I came up with Fakerip Productions, and no one else had it licensed or anything. I was like, oh, it sounds like I was just putting names together, like creepy names. And then I, I put that on the film, and then we got married and everything, and we were like, why don't we join them? And Philip loved the name. He really, yeah, I think it's really cool. Yeah, he was like, I actually really like that name, so we're going to make it an LLC, and... <laughs> So we joined them and we're going to make the feature film under both companies. Oh, great. Yeah, because I think it was a little bit of serendipity as Twitter seems to be where I was like, geez, the Fear Crypt, my name on Twitter is the Fear Merchant. Hmm. I'm sure I just made some stupid joke and this is this is how you're before me today having a chat. Do you? I, I have to ask, did you play Resident Evil 4? Uh, you're spot on right there with that little guess. Okay. <laughs> That was, like, my favorite video game, like, when I was younger. Like, I must have been in that, like, five times. And The Merchant, we would always quote him. So, I okay, I'm glad I was spot on there then. Yeah, no, if you actually listen to the intro, it has uh, little voice uh, excerpts from The Merchant to introduce you to the to the show. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so awesome. I, I took that out. Yeah, I was actually trying to get... Uh, the voice actor on but he seems to be like unresponsive to emails but maybe someday he could uh <laughs> come on is he, is he a u.s space actor he is actually you, you might pester him <laughs> yeah i was gonna say you know when, when we move out to los angeles we'll have to look him up and see and be like the fear merchant wants to talk to you <laughs> yeah, get him on the show so <laughs> your your kind of first horror saw was wicked conclusions was it yes oh. uh, well under well no so <laughs> My first horror film was one that, like, so I'd, I'd always done acting and, like, sometimes produced Philip's work, but I'd never directed, and I just, you know, had a go at making a short film, so it's not as, you know, 
high quality, amazing as like Philip shorts. But um, it was called a brutal awakening. Okay. And it's like three minutes. Um, I never, I never edited either, so it was funny to go on premiere and like he like taught me like very basically and like the best way to learn is to just do it so i did a short film and discovered everything it is on youtube called a brutal awakening so yeah. if you look it up you can see it but i like to think that wicked conclusions is like the first real one <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that, the first one was a false start just learning the ropes <laughs> yeah i don't want to be like um i don't really want that under our company name <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's not, well, it'll be under, like, the legacy section. Yeah. <laughs> Why is it the, it's on the YouTube channel, like, X3124 or something just, like, hidden, yeah. is it? I did a, uh, a horror, I guess, like, what I would classify as my first horror film. Uh, in high school, I did a, a Saw fan film. Oh, very uh, good. On YouTube, and uh, it was, like, probably my second most popular video. We had, like, 50,000 views on that, which, like, for us was, like, oh, my God, it's amazing. Jeez, that is very good. I haven't got 50,000 of anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you if you leech off of a brand name like Saw, it's pretty easy. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, I suppose. We were lucky. But I... it was uh, a fun experience. And then um, I guess I did one or two little horror shorts in college, and Wicked Conclusions was kind of my first real horror film then with like more of a professional cast and crew Excellent. Um, yeah and is the studio is that what you do full-time or is there a, a secret nine to five hidden behind the, the there was there is and there was um so for for the past couple years um i've been working for a wedding company called wellspun wedding so if anybody's getting married uh that's listening i'm gonna plug them because they're a great company um but I worked for them as a, uh, it's like an independent contractor. And we kind of went full time with PGC Studios uh, last October. And now we just work part time in odd jobs while, you know, trying to do PGC Studios full time. Excellent. And I also see that you do some commercials. Is that something you, you like pursue in a big way? It is, yes. Um, through PGC Studios, we do um, television commercials. It's something that we're we're hoping to grow uh, with over the past couple of years. We've we've done a couple of campaigns um, through an ad agency called FIP Creative, and they're uh, they're awesome. And they've been uh, nice enough, I guess, to trust their ad campaigns to uh, to me when I was still in college. Um, they were an up and coming agency in the video world, um, so they willing to i guess take a, a risk on on somebody like me and uh we've grown together which has been great oh, uh, nice. so the dental campaign um that we just did actually is going to be launching in the next couple weeks so stay tuned if anybody likes dentistry commercials out there. yeah i actually saw that i was like <laughs> so, hey yeah, like, probably nobody's gonna look that up <laughs> but, uh, but in case anybody wants to stay tuned <laughs> and Chloe, I'm going to take a wild guess. It's not really a guess, but you're not from the US. No, I'm How... from um, Warrington, England. I think I know someone from Warrington. Chris Bailey is his name. He does some good artwork. Yeah, I don't know. You don't know the Baileys, no? <laughs> I, I, you know, I'd have thought you'd have known better being from Ireland. People in America think England is like this small town <laughs> where we all know each other and we all have tea with the Queen. Yeah, um, yeah. Everywhere else then is the country of Europe. It's great crack. Yeah. So how did you find your way over to 
the US, Chloe? Um, I came here when I was 18 as a nanny. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I was a nanny. I worked on one of Philip short films. You, you might have seen her before. The movie was called Mary Poppins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's the makings of a movie there now already. So I came when I was 18 and I starred in one of his films and we got married. Yeah, that's, that is how it went. Yeah, yeah, um, we did a few short films together while she was here and fell in love. And now we're married making a feature film together. So. Called The Honeymoon Phase. Is that... <laughs> so is the honeymoon phase is that any reflection on what's actually happening in your own lives there or how is it working it's it's funny i think i think when people see it they're gonna assume that um hopefully not too much since it is a psychological thriller <laughs> but no i i always like to draw um from personal life experience when it comes to uh my films the ones that that i write wicked conclusions was a collaboration between you know, me, Chloe, and her writing partner that she works with. So not as much personal life experience for me there. I, I never kidnapped a child and kept him in my basement. <laughs> not that you're uh, <laughs> openly admitting anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, but with the honeymoon phase, um, you know, with us being newlyweds, I thought it would be really fun to kind of explore the nature of relationships and um, how personal identity changes within a relationship and really explore what what could cause Chloe and I to split apart and then turn that into a, a horror film basically has that been wrapped up or is it just starting production or how just far starting. along um, so we um, we have the the script the first draft of the scripts done I'm working on the next one now our social media is all launched and we have a Kickstarter video that we shot um, we're gonna be launching our Kickstarter campaign later this spring which we're hoping to really use as a way to get people kind of complete behind the scenes access into what it's like making your first feature film. So we'll be doing a lot of Facebook lives and, you know, behind the scenes videos showing everything that goes into it. I guess almost like a little reality show of our own, <laughs> how a husband and wife deal with making their first feature film together and will they survive? <laughs> yeah. That should be like the side documentary for the behind the scenes DVD. Yeah. You know, if the feature film doesn't work out, there's probably going to be some great material in that documentary. <laughs> <laughs> Just two people stressed constantly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I love you, but I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> so what have you kind of been doing to work up to a full feature? Why did he decide now of all the times to go for a full length movie? That's a great question. We've been doing short films, um, I guess, for, for a long time the commercial work. Um, I've been doing a lot of writing and, uh, you know, Chloe and I's dream is to really make it together through, uh, our projects. So like, you know, I want to direct and she wants to act and, and we really love working together. Um, so we want to go out to Los Angeles and, you know, pursue this dream. So in our mind, you know, the best way to, to kind of be prepared for that is to, to do a feature film on our own so that when we go out to Los Angeles, We'll kind of have something in our pocket to show people, you know, show them that we, we know what we're doing and, and that we've already done it. So the honeymoon phase is kind of the, the next step in that progression of eventually, you know, doing studio projects. Excellent. So since you haven't actually really started the production yet and you're just gearing up towards it, what has been your most challenging project to date, would you say? Hmm. Probably the road to Jericho, yeah. I wasn't involved with this one, but this was... She was the GPS voice. Yeah, <laughs> so, in a later post-production. Yeah. No, I, I did a short film uh, called The Road to Jericho, and we shot that in 2013. 
Um, it was my senior thesis project um, for Temple University. It was a college that I went to in Pennsylvania. And it was a 24-minute long short film uh, taking place all over the city. It followed a, a struggling screenwriter who hears that his movie-producing idol is flying into Philadelphia. So he decides to steal a taxi cab so that he can go and pitch him his script. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so that was uh, it. Was a pretty large undertaking. We shot for ten days in like the hottest summer that was on record, um, and it was a bunch of us crammed in the back of a taxi cab with these amazing uh, actors. And it was the time of my life. I I love doing it, and uh, hopefully it was a good preparation for the honeymoon phase. <laughs> yeah, no, it sounds like good fun. Like because the last couple of years myself, I've mentioned before, but I've been looking at a lot of independent stuff. And that was kind of the genesis for the whole podcast was to get people on who've been either writing, filming, doing everything and get them on for a chat. But you are also going to launch a podcast where you interview first time filmmakers. Is that correct? Uh, that is correct. Yes. It's called uh, Your First Time and the innuendo is intentional. Um, <laughs> so it's about uh, really just chatting with filmmakers who have shot feature films uh, or directed feature films before and we have nice conversations about their experiences um what they learned what they wish they did differently i personally find it very therapeutic when i talk to other directors about their experiences and kind of compare horror stories about yeah, what happens yeah. um, and i thought it'd be great leading up to our first feature film to really talk to other directors about their experience making their first and kind of glean all the information that I can from that to, to use that to our advantage in making our own. And I thought it would be great to share that with other people who, you know, haven't made their first feature film yet, but are, you know, aspiring to that, to hopefully use that as some knowledge that they can use towards their project. Yeah, like I have a few ideas just dating in my own head for a short, and I tried to put it down on paper and it's just word vomit, so I'd say it's quite tough. <laughs> well, if Every screenplay starts as word vomit. So speaking from experience, <laughs> you got to put it on the page in some form and then you can iron it out from there. So keep keep vomiting all over yeah, yeah. pages. It's so, a work in progress. Great. And do you want to tease a few people? Because you said that you, before we recorded, that you had actually recorded with a few people. Do you want to tease out some of the names that you've recorded with? The first one, um, probably our main guest who's yeah. going to come out first, is Eric England such a lovely guy and um, he talked to us about uh, his first feature which was Madison County and you know now he's his film Get the Girl has theatrical release so his newest one so he's he did uh, con con contra contracted, contracted which is on Netflix okay right? yeah very good um, so yeah he's done a few films now so I'd say he's like you know very successful yeah <laughs> And we um, have uh, Henrik Kuto. Um, and Henrik, if I'm mispronouncing your name, I'm very sorry. I'm awful with names. But Henrik is a, a prolific, uh, like, micro-budget filmmaker, I, I would say. Um, we met him at a, a horror convention last year. And he's done, I think, like 14, 15 feature films over the past 10 years so far. Oh, wow. um, cranks these out. Um, they're, they're very various genres um horror comedy his first one which which we interviewed him about uh was called marty jenkins and the vampire bitches um which is a wonderful title <laughs> <laughs> so that was a horror film um that he made and uh it was great talking to him to kind of glean his low budget experience and you know how you can 
kind of pull together a team um, to produce something um, on a shoestring budget and, and still have, you know, high quality visuals. And then, like Chloe said, Eric England, we, we talked to him and, and he was such a nice guy also. Great, great to chat with. And um, pretty much everybody that we've spoken to universally has been like just very nice and humble, which is great. I think it's something that's important to kind of keep as you progress in Hollywood is to stay humble. Uh, so I, I really enjoyed talking to them. And uh, Jason Marin. Um, we spoke with him. He did a feature film called uh, Sleepwalkers. Sleepwalkers. Yes. Let me re-say that. Um, we, we spoke with Jason Marin about his film Sleepwalkers with his fiancée, uh, Rachel Liu. She produced it. So we had a couples chat, um, which was pretty cool. Um, oh, and that, that episode was focused a little bit more on working with your life partner and, you know, the pros and cons of that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And how's that working out for you so far? You're obviously gearing up to go to LA, you've mentioned. Is that something in the near future? Or are you going to get the movie out of the way first, the honeymoon phase? We're going to shoot the honeymoon phase and edit it. And then as soon as we're done post-production, we're going to head out to Los Angeles. So we're hoping around this time next year to be out there. You know, we're going to be shooting the honeymoon phase in the fall. We'll cut it over the winter and then hopefully the spring will be finally in los angeles <laughs> great going on the road with your napkin tied to a stick uh, all yeah exactly exactly and our film <laughs> <laughs> in the napkin in on dvd yes, in the napkin. no well it's really uh admirable to you know be pursuing your dream to such an extent that you're willing to actually literally move from coast to coast well, we've been very, very fortunate to have, you know, support of friends and family. It's tough. Like, I I, I know why a, a large portion of the population doesn't do it and doesn't pursue their dreams because sometimes people don't have the financial support or the uh, emotional support to make a change like that. We've been lucky enough to, you know, have people encouraging us and supporting us and, you know, we're doing our best to take advantage of that while we can. So, exactly. Um, yeah, so to anybody listening, you know, if, if you do have the opportunity to pursue your dreams, go full steam ahead and, and do it. And even even if you are struggling, there's filmmakers, um, like your, one of your idols, um, Wes Craven. He didn't pursue it till later in life. Yeah, he, he was, was a school teacher, like 40s, right? right? Yeah. yeah. So it's, you're, it's never too late. You know, you can save up. If you're in debt, you can get the debt out of the way and write at night. <laughs> so, and then... so like, it's just, just get rid of that debt. No, no, no. No, it's... <laughs> no, it's... It, it is hard to sometimes for some people, especially in later life when you have like Wes Craven, like he moved his children, his wife out to pursue yeah, it. He and that's, like, super hard, but like we're in such a lucky position where we don't we don't have any responsibilities bar ourselves. So if we put ourselves in a cardboard box on the street, <laughs> we only did it to ourselves and we both want to yeah. take the risk. So I think he should and I live by the really unmorbid thing is you could die tomorrow could like walk across the street and get run over would i have been happy with like my life would i have been trying to pursue at all times and if the answer is no then no i wouldn't have died happy <laughs> so i like to you know i think you do have to chase your dreams and i come from england and and, and coming to america was totally different for me because i feel like americans wear their heart on their sleeves and it's all very positive and it's all like this is this is America and like yeah, I just, us Irish know all about that heartache going over to the states. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I 
I really caught that when I came here, especially from Philip. Um, and you have to have someone to bounce off optimism constantly because obviously there's times where we get depressed and it's like, it's not working. We're going to be on that cardboard, in that cardboard box. <laughs> but no, we'll be in to, it together. Yeah, we'll be in it together with a movie <laughs> that we can't watch because we don't have a TV. Yeah. But we're going to do it. <laughs> yeah, excellent. But just to like press a little bit on that, how long are you going to give yourselves or is it going to be something you're going to try and try and try until it actually does kill you? Yes. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I, I I live by the mentality that there's no plan B. Um, you just you know keep going towards your your goal, no matter how long it takes. And and like I said, you know, depending on life circumstances, you might get you know derailed for a portion of your life while you're focusing on something else. Um, you know, if, if if we had a kid, it would be totally different. Um, we would have to focus on you know raising a child and putting all our effort you know into loving someone else. Um, you make something super hard. No, 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 no. I mean, that's you, you have to you have to prioritize things. But you can always what? you can always work on your your art on the side until you make it that primary thing. Yeah, um, but our, our movies are going to be our babies. Yeah, that's what we that's what we say. Our movies are our children. So. <laughs> but yeah, right. we're not gonna give up. Just keep going after it, and you know, if the honeymoon phase fails. We'll do the next one until we get it right. We'll so. be right back on this podcast with the second yeah. feed. <laughs> How not to do the first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hopefully we'll be back on the podcast with a success story. But... Yeah, no, that'd be great. We'll definitely have to do a follow-up at some stage. <laughs> uh, but, like, a lot to do with the honeymoon phase, I suppose, has got to do with the Kickstarter. Have you tried to pursue different uh, finance options for that? Because I know uh, crowdfunding at this stage seems to kind of be like quite a crowded arena <laughs> no pun intended there yeah yeah exactly so how do you how do you think that's going to work is there multiple strategies involved or yes so we're um through pgc studios um through our commercial work we we have a you know money saved up that we're hoping to combine with the kickstarter funds and right. if kickstarter falls through um you know we'll start you know approaching investors to try and you know, raise the, the additional funds. And if that doesn't work, we have a, not a fallback, because I, I said I don't believe in plan Bs, but we have a version of the honeymoon phase that we can do on a cheaper budget where, uh, you know, we, we drop name talent or we, you know, we shoot it quicker. We're, we're prepared to adapt where needed. But yeah, Kickstarter and personal funds are kind of the main source of, of funding. Right, because my last guest, uh, Jeff Frommis, he's uh, actually up in White Plains, New York. He... Uh-huh did a full feature i think he said he shot and did the whole thing in correct me if i'm wrong now after the fact when you're going to listen back it'd be 21 days 23 days and he did it for two and a half grand for a full feature so oh my god yeah it's it's possible to do that uh god bless him (laughs) (laughs) that's impressive it was actually you should check out his movie i'll I can give you the email address after the fact. I won't give it out here. But it's called Romeo's Distress. It's actually quite a, a fun little movie. Uh, how? What, what actually is your financial goal for the movie, if you mind me asking? Well, I suppose it's going to be public knowledge on Kickstarter in a few weeks. <laughs> but you can break so, it here first, what your goal is. Get the momentum yes. going. So we're actually still in talks of what the Kickstarter portion of the goal will be. I'm, we'll give the numbers. The total budget of what we're aiming for is twenty five thousand for the film. Okay. Um, Kickstarter. We we went to a Sundance Institute conference last year, and they said that the average 
film uh, campaign success is 15,000. Right, uh, right. You know, that means half below fail and half above make it. But 15,000 is kind of the sweet spot. So we are going to aim for 15. But we've also talked about possibly reducing that down to 10 just as, you know, a fail safe. So we'll we'll see. We're we have a probably about a month left to decide. Um, it'll be later this spring that we're launching. So we're going to just kind of go through the financials and see if, what we can do. But twenty five thousand is the overall budget of what we're aiming for. <laughs> Richard's going to go on Kickstarter now. Let's see how brave they were. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so frightening. I, I especially now I've been like looking up so many Kickstarters and like we've planned all it. Like our Kickstarter is up now, not publicly, right, but we've right. all sorted and ready for like um, late spring. And to watch how many fail and how many, like some of them do well, but don't quite make it. And some of them just like badly fail. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, it happens. And people, I feel like always go into optimistic. We're fully prepared for it, you know, if it doesn't go great, but it's, it's so scary. (laughs) I think the challenging part is breaking out from your small network of friends and family to reach a broader audience. And that's really what we're trying to do right now. Chloe's been building relationships with different blogs and podcasts such as yourself, you know, to, to chat about our project and try and reach people that would be interested in watching a film like The Honeymoon Phase so that it's not just my mom and, and her dad <laughs> donating and instead it's people that actually want to watch the film. <laughs> yeah, no, of course, our, yeah. Our parents, are, our parents aren't the prime, primary audience on this one um, given the content and everything. But I should probably I should probably mention what the honeymoon phase is too. We've been talking about it for a while. I don't think I've actually given the the thirty second elevator pitch. Yeah, go um, on. We'll count it down for thirty seconds. Go on. Three, two, one. What's the pitch? I'm a big right. producer now, so we, we're in the elevator. Yeah, what you want? Who are you? <laughs> so the honeymoon phase is a psychological thriller following struggling young lovers Tom and Eve who must endure a thirty day scientific study. Room, board, $50,000, and a month alone together in research facility housing. What could possibly go wrong? 50000 You said you only wanted twenty-five. Unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> this isn't our honeymoon. Yeah, this isn't our Maybe if we would have participated in the study, we would use that money to make the film. Yeah, uh, that would be really meta, wouldn't it? That's the next, that's the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be meta. Yeah, great. So how long has it kind of been just dating? Is this a story that you've been thinking about since you were 10 years of age when you first picked up a camera? Or how <laughs> how far along? Yeah. If, you knew, if you knew the story, no. I, that, I would be a pretty twisted 10-year-old. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, Chloe and I, I guess it was soon after we got married. We'll go into some origin story here for it. Um, but it was soon after we got married we were discussing what we wanted our first feature film to be. Cause I, I have some scripts I've been working on for a while that are more in line with what you said, kind of the, I've been working on for years ever since I was younger, but we really wanted our first feature film together to be something that we both came up with and we both loved. Um, especially since Chloe's an actress. Um, also we wanted something that she'd really enjoy leading in. So we drew literally a Venn diagram of our interests. So we put Chloe's on the left and mine on the right. And kind of saw what lined up and put that in the center and one night as we were lying in bed just kind of discussing the the stuff in our venn diagram the the idea for this kind of dawned on us just like that oh my god what if blah 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 was blah 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 and we're like oh my god that's so cool 
and then uh, just kind of built the story around that then. And like I said, we recently got married, so I always like to draw from life experience, and we're in our honeymoon phase, as people would say. So we figured let's craft a a psychological thriller about a couple uh, (laughs) in their honeymoon phase and what splits them apart. But this is not based on us. It's very different. Uh, Yes. No, it's not based on (laughs) us at all. Um, Yeah, (laughs) you should know that. When we were were, um, coming up with ideas and stuff for it, it was always like I'd read Philip's version of like his ideas and I'd be like, it's just there's no horror in it whatsoever. And I, I hated his versions, and I give him my versions. It's like, it's just too dark. Yeah, it's yeah. It's too much horror. Where's the story? Yeah, it's like, the story's gone. So it was a lot of pass back and forward. <laughs> and then Philip, and I just, like, helped storyline it, but Philip wrote the whole the whole script. Um, and I love it now. We read the outline last week. Yeah, we had some friends uh, over who have kind of been our, our brain trust. Um <laughs> Matt Thackeray, Bobby Quaid, Billy McCall, Hosu Lee, just in case you guys are listening. Um, yeah, you'll be sending on the link once this goes live next Thursday now. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. Be sending it to uh, everyone. So we, we had them over uh, for a little table read of the first draft to kind of get everybody's thoughts on it. And it went really well. I think everybody really enjoyed it. It was funny because when, when they read it, our big uh, worry, I guess, throughout the whole process is, is it scary enough or will it reach the horror audience because like like we said i have more experience in dramas which you know dramas can be dark but we want to make sure that we can take this to a horror con and and the horror audience will get something out of it um so chloe's kind of been spearheading that and and letting me know you know areas where we can scare it up a little bit or or add uh you know some creepiness and Throughout the writing process, we were constantly like, oh, is this creepy enough or is this dark enough? And we showed it to our friends, and they were like, oh, my God, that was really dark. And I guess it's that I look at it every day, and Chloe's, you know, looks at it often, too, so we would kind of become desensitized to it. Yeah. Where, like, we showed it to our friends, they're like, oh, my God, like, that goes, like, some really messed up places. And I know I'm being really vague, um, partially intentionally, <laughs> but... You know, we some of the stuff that we deal with in, in regards to the relationship falling apart, it gets it gets really dark. And I promise, I know it sounds like we keep using the word relationship. It's, it sounds like a romance or whatnot, but it's not. It's, not it's definitely not a romance. Um, Very good. So it may start off that way, but it does not end that way. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be a bit cheeky and ask, could I have a peek of the script? Not obviously on the show here, but after <laughs> after the fact. So I'll put in my two cents if you wouldn't mind. <laughs> we can definitely chat about that. I'd love uh, love some feedback. Great. And Chloe, yeah. are you going to be behind the camera or in front of the camera when it all comes down to it? In front. I'm going to be producing it. So up until the filming, I'll be involved behind the scenes. But as soon as we film, I'm going to be completely in character. I can't be worrying about this. <laughs> Even though I probably will. But I think it's so important. It's such a complex character. Um, the character I'm playing, um, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, well, no, 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 for for anybody listening. Oh yeah, <laughs> I know you know. Made me look like an <laughs> um, Yeah, so I think it's important for me to just be really in character, and I think it's it's really like one thing I was taught in um, when I was studying acting was that. They tell you before you go either to university or to higher education to study acting is like take a gap year and like just live 
and learn experiences because it's so hard to act what you haven't had like happen to you obviously you can but um it's more if you've lived what you're acting it's you're gonna give a better performance and I was like oh yeah but you can like learn it but since since I've been married I fell in love and you can't if you if you've never been in love you can't you can't really describe being in love like yeah 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 so for and Philip said one thing he would like the the lead actor to be who will play opposite me he wants the guy to to be married if possible the actor would choose because it's so yeah you can't it's so hard to explain love and marriage and everything. I think, I know you can explain it, but it's so hard to really feel it and understand it. And I think that you wrote a character that I can very much relate to. So I'm so excited. It's such a good, it's such a good movie. I'm so excited to share it with people. And I'm biased, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) I I think people are going to really like it. (laughs) Great. And would that be your kind of method behind your acting? Would you try and live the character beforehand or how do you exactly get into character before you start shooting um i'm not a method actor for sure um, <laughs> thank <but> god <laughs> sometimes method acting is a bit too much i think for, for me personally um, i've never actually worked with a method actor so i think it'd be interested to like see an actual person like that but um yeah i think well i'm <laughs> I'm going to have a lot of prep with the character beforehand because I'm living and breathing the script before I even... Yeah, of course. It helps that she's married to the director. I'm sure there'll be a lot of bedside chat about the the character. A lot of character, um, you know, exercises and stuff, which is exciting for me because I've never been in a feature film. I've been in a feature film, but, like, it's like a... A, like two line part like I've never been like a lead so. yeah not actually fully in the full feature like yeah yeah so this is like I think like an actor's dream they get to like really become a character so I'm so I'm so excited it's such a great opportunity <laughs> that is great and would you think being so involved in the process and the script do you think that will help or hinder your performance because I've seen films before where and I've talked to the directors after the fact because I reviewed I reviewed it and I said like what was the story here in this area or that area and they were like oh yeah but you know this is the way it was interpreted because this was you know my thought process but being so involved they kind of didn't see it from the wider angle of we'll say just being a consumer of the art if that kind of makes sense a roundabout way of saying do you think your deep involvement will hinder your performance or do you think will aid it um i mean that's one thing i'll find out but i i personally think it'll aid it but i understand where you're coming from because i've i've worked on films where you know the directors wanted to rehearse and rehearse and rehearse constantly and it actually made me more numb to the text than i originally was when we first because yeah. when you first mm-hmm. read it like the first 10 times it's kind of almost like raw emotion and everything because I, you're so into it and you're so into what's happening but if you like over rehearse or you over read it it starts to become more like lines and not like the emotion so yeah, yeah I just I mean we we talked about that and he I mean he knows all my other like acting stuff so he knows what works for me and what doesn't so yeah it's not going to be like a mind-numbing like rehearsal where it's like read the lines again <laughs> like yeah yeah well do you think since like you're kind of going through it and stuff that you'll just inherently nearly know it off by heart 
but still has yeah. the passion because it's your baby, so to speak. Yeah, I, I think so. Because what always happens in my auditions is when I'm auditioning, it's always fill up filming them. And it tends to be like the warm-up version of the monologue or the script or whatever. And then it slowly gets really good and then it slowly loses it. So there's like a right point to hit, I think, before doing it, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, big time. So uh, you said you were mentioning that you're going to a festival for the weekend. Is that for business or pleasure? Uh, business. Well, hopefully well, pleasure too. Yeah, it's, it's but, good uh, too. We're going there representing Wicked Conclusions. Um, tonight is the Trenton Film Festival in New Jersey. And then uh, Saturday is the New Jersey Horror Con and Film Festival. So that's all horror, which is awesome for me. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Yeah. What, is there, what kind of films are being shown there have they announced a list yet um yes you can go if you go on the if you type in trenton film festival on google there's a whole list and um, the same for new jersey horror and film festival but the horror and film festival is all horror films yeah and yeah Trenton is like mixed so they'll have like dramas and romance and they tend to i think they put it in blocks so we're in like the suspense thriller section right. for conclusions because it's it, it's still more of a thriller as well. I mean, I don't know if anyone's watched it, but if you watch it, like the the horror comes near the end. Uh, it's it's suspenseful up until then, hopefully. Yeah, sure. I'll be able to put everything in the show notes if people are curious. They can uh, click on over. But did I see something else on the website? The Forest Nymph. Is that correct? Yes, that's um, that's not a film. That's a I do um, horror SFX too. Okay, so it was more a showcase of the yeah. SFX. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do like just ideas that come to me. And I, I used to want to be, when I was younger, I used to want to be a horror SFX artist. So I used to watch all these horror films. And people, you know, when you're a child and you watch horror films, people are like, oh my God, what's wrong with your child? Like, yeah, 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 big time. I, was always, I used to always watch like the behind the scenes and like, all the really gory stuff like i remember watching like predator 2 and there's a scene where like the people are hung up upside down and like all the skins off and i was like i wasn't thinking about like that is an actual thing i was yeah, like, yeah, like how do they oh, do that it's amazing i wonder if the actor's wearing a suit and i even like as a child like uh, and my my mom said to me when i was younger she said i should have known that you were like into all this horror and stuff because when you're about four years old your favorite film was beauty and the beast <laughs> you used to cry and get upset when the beast turned into a prince because <laughs> you were frightened of the prince <laughs> but you really liked the beast <laughs> so great speaking of which did you go and see the new version that just came out yes we did yes. yeah it was yeah. awesome i i really enjoyed it i i was more skeptical than chloe was seeing it just because like i I have a big, I don't want to say a big problem with CGI because it is amazing what people can do today, but I really love when you use CGI as a tool to complement the practical effects. Of course, yeah. Uh, so with Beauty and the Beast, I was like, oh, I, I really just hope it's not too too heavy on the CGI, but like, I was really impressed um, the way that they transitioned the film from you know the cartoon world into the real world. I got a little teary-eyed at some points, too, I'll admit. It was, uh... When the was... prince appeared, was it? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not for me, but... Uh, and how was Gaston's buddy that wasn't... You weren't shocked, were you? The, <laughs> the LGBTQ 
friend of Gaston. I loved it. Uh, that yeah. was like my favorite bit. When I found out about that, I was like, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> that people were upset. Yeah, that yeah. people were upset. Like, I think it was the best asset to the film yeah. also because it made it hilarious and the bit where they come out the closet and... Uh, <laughs> There's a few moments. Did you see it? No, I haven't. I've yet to see it. Okay, okay we won't there's, spoil it. Yeah, I might see this again. I think it's hilarious. Yeah. I think I, I think that was a really good asset, and I think it's sometimes when you're doing a remake, they they have to be careful to like add in any new stuff because like people who like the originals are always like, oh, what did you do? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, big time. By adding new things, but I think that was for sure one of the best assets to the film i thought it was hilarious yeah, and i think that what it did really well too was it 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 wasn't done just because it was topical like it actually added to lefou's character yeah like sure. like you feel more for him that uh gaston you know ignores him and <laughs> yeah. and is so yeah yeah and uh it, it adds a different layer to the story so it i think it, it was you know very, just very well done <laughs> That's good, yeah. No, so what uh, latest horror have you been seeing, or what kind of influence have you drawn for your own horrors lately? Uh, what was our favorite? That we, oh, you have a favorite. Yeah, and you should talk about that. Um, this is my favorite one of all time, but probably my favorite last year was Don't Breathe. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was good. Loved yeah. it. I thought it was really good because anything where you're like holding your breath, like when we watched it in the cinema, I was like. <gasps> Like I thought it was like really scary. We bought it on Blu-ray. He didn't like he didn't like it as much on Blu-ray as it was in the cinema because it's more intense. But yeah, I yeah. still enjoyed it though. But um, just nothing beats the the theatrical experience. <laughs> yeah, well, I think my biggest gripe of that movie was they turned him. I'm gonna spoil it for anyone listening who hasn't seen it, but they kind of turn him around as like a villain. Okay. And I didn't really quite agree with that because I think like the moral dilemma was like flipped on its head then where there was just like kids breaking into a house and then it was like oh no he's a bad guy he deserves to get caught but if it was actually just a veteran there's all like the moral implications and stuff if he is chasing them but I think when they added that extra layer I'm, I probably won't I don't want to spoil it now but you know what I'm talking about Oh, yeah. I know what extra layer. We all know yeah. what extra layer. <laughs> yeah, so I think that was just like what? Like you were just like ah, Jesus! Like you know that it's more likely that there's going to be kids busting into a guy's house than the actual scenario that played out. I was like ah, Jesus! I don't know. Did you did you feel that way about it, or were you like this is amazing? Or I was my I was I more had issues with um I. Not so much the second time I saw it, but the first time I saw it, it was um, the the main character, um, the young woman. She like I remember seeing it. I was like, "Oh, you're just like not a good person." Like I understand like that you're like trying to help your like little brother. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but I'm like, you're just not a good person overall. Though you're like using all the men in your life to like, you know, get out of your bad situation. But you're just I don't know. I just didn't like her as a person, so I had a problem with that aspect of the film. That's just like a personal opinion. It didn't like bring the film down the, at all. The actor, not the no. I mean the no, character, not, the, actor, not the, character. the actor. Oh, the act, the actress was great. Yeah, she's awesome. Um, I just more it's just like oh, you're just using these people, and like she kept going back for the money. I'm like, no, like you need to get out. <laughs> yeah, of that. yeah, big time. Leave the money alone and get out of that house. So. I, I feel like it's like um, especially within Don't Breathe, like the weird moment where like everyone's like, oh my god, what is happening? Yeah. Um, it's like a 
a weird trend, I feel, in, like, movies coming out now. Like, we watched The Cure for Wellness. Yeah, I and... missed that one, actually. Was that good? Uh, uh, it's okay. Um, the cinematography is beautiful. It's, it's a just... beautifully shot, yeah. and, and the acting is good. Yeah, it's just, like, it, it leads you on this whole thing, and then you get to a part of it, and you're just like, we were in the movie, there was a bunch of us, and we were looking at each other like, what? Yeah, the, <laughs> what third, the third act takes a turn, and like... Like, don't breathe. Yeah, and it's <laughs> not right. that you necessarily want. No. You're like... Because they raise questions the entire film, and you're like, oh, I wonder where this is going. And, you know, as the, the artist, it's their prerogative to take it where they want, but as a viewer, I just... I didn't necessarily want it to go where it went. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. I mean, people that were in our group, we were pretty evenly split. Like, a few of the people that went were like, oh, my God, like, we love the fact that it went there and it embraced it and it just completely went off the wall. So, you know, like anything, it's personal opinion. But It's all about, like, the shock factor, I feel. Like, you want – like, I talk to my little brother who doesn't really watch movies. He watches, like, one action movie a year. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's not in, really interested in film and I mentioned, I was like, oh uh, me and Philip are watching Don't Breathe this is when we had it on Blu-ray and he went, oh, that's the one with, and then revealed the twit, like the yeah, really yeah, yeah, yeah. bit because he'd heard all about this weird bit he, he didn't know anything about the film but everyone's talking about the weird bit so it's actually a really clever publicity thing because everyone's like, I want to see the weird bit, is that a clip? <laughs> and then they might watch the film and then that leads to sales. So. I feel like anybody listening to the podcast right now, you should pause it, watch Don't Breathe and yeah. then, <laughs> and then Yeah, that was probably a good disclaimer <laughs> Yeah, with the weird bit just so that you know what we're talking about because yeah. you'll get it <laughs> no, the when it happens. Yeah, well I think that's like the way cinema and stuff is nearly going like everyone's complaining like oh piracy is ruining movies blah 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 but to be fair they're still like making billions like all the action movie stuff but yeah. every single trailer these days you can get the teaser for the teaser the teaser trailer but then the second it's like trailer one the whole plot's ruined yeah. there's like the new Spider-Man Homecoming I haven't watched that yet I've told it ruins the whole movie there yeah, was Batman versus Superman ruined the whole movie and the whole twist of like, oh, right, they're not actually fighting each other. And one Roman's here. And it's like, fuck's sake, like, there was no point watching the movie at that stage. But then people still go and buy it. I wonder, is it because people need to know what they're seeing before they go and see it, if that makes any sense? Yeah, no, I um, I think you're right in that sense because sometimes people don't want to see it till they see, like, something really cool happen in the trailer. And whether that gives it away or not, some people don't want to know any anything about the plot, and then some people engages them by knowing a certain element of the plot. So if there was a big fight scene that was, you know, they didn't want to, it spoiled something, they're still going to show bits of that fight scene in the trailer because they want you to be like, look at how cool this fight scene is. Yeah, it's yeah. The city thing. Yeah, I think a lot of it today, too, has to do with the fact that you can watch content really anywhere, so they need a reason to get you into a theater. So they're going to kind of show all their best assets. It's like if you're on like a dating website, you're going to put all your... Yeah, yeah. That's a good analogy, actually, yeah. ...material out there. And you're not going to be like, you know what? I secretly have this amazing asset, but I'm not going to show <laughs> yeah. it to you. I'm going to show you a less good picture of myself. Yeah. So you can be surprised when you <laughs> Because then people aren't going to meet you. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, like, I, lovely headshot, but then, like, 20 stone from the neck down or something. <laughs> I think there's, like, a happy medium that that we have to reach, because I, I totally agree. Like, I 
as somebody that's in the movie business and like by movie business i mean like just starting out so like there's there's no honor there but it's just starting out i can get why they show all their best material because they they need to make money and they have to survive and they have to create making films uh or have to have the ability to create uh or to keep making films but as an audience member you don't want that you you don't want everything spoiled so i think that has to be a happy medium that we reach where Maybe you spoil a little bit more of the first half of the film, but then save stuff that's in the second half. I don't know. But I know with the honeymoon phase, we're trying to be really cognizant of that and not spoil stuff in the end of the film. And, uh, you know, when we do our trailer, we're going to be very aware of all that stuff. So Yeah, because I, I was just going to fold back a bit onto that. Like, is your plan with the movie that it's going to make money? Or do you want it literally as... A live portfolio or is is it going to be more down to literally an elevator pitch of like you have to send someone a trailer what like what is your actual overall goal with the honeymoon phase making feature films is, is something that we want to do as our career so we want the honeymoon phase to be profitable so that we can show people that not only do we know how to make a good film but we know how to build relationships with an audience to go and see it and pay for it and want to come back for more because the only way that we're going to be able to keep doing this is if we make money because you know like like everybody listening we have uh expenses that we have to pay for we have we have to be able to eat (laughs) and sleep somewhere yeah of course Um, yeah and and not only that i mean the film if you're not in film it's hard to picture the amount of work that goes into it and the amount of people that work on a film yeah, I know yeah. most people walk out on the credits at the end. I always sit there because I'm like, oh, I, I just want to give them respect for everything they, they put into it. But, I mean, on, on a Hollywood film, hundreds of people work on that, if not thousands. And all those people have, uh, you know, a home to pay for and food and, and all that stuff. So even though the honeymoon phase is, like, a microscopic compared to a Hollywood production – we want to do it in a sustainable fashion where we can we can make a profit off of it so that we can continue doing it. Right. Um, that's the goal. And would the two of you be for against the idea if someone said, hey, yeah, that like wasn't bad. Do you want to come work for our production company? Are you going to try and stay independent for as long as possible? Or are you just going to cash out as soon as possible? Or what's the plan? <laughs> I... <laughs> Find like it, that depends it, on a lot of factors. Yeah. I don't necessarily. Like if this really hits a big, and we'll say someone bought the rights to the movie for a billion dollars, would you just be like, "Yeah, that's the last movie." You so fast. Yeah, I, I, I don't. It it it's show business, and I <laughs> I don't believe there's anything to uh, let me think about <laughs> like are you there for the art or are, you, are you there for the money or like you know just a lot, enough to get by as long as the art is still getting made or I, I think it has to be both if you want a career you have to be able to uh, let me use this analogy this is a good way to describe it so commercials uh we make commercials with the pgc studios yeah and, and that's the bread and butter so really at exactly the yeah. And that's solely uh, you're producing content for somebody else and they're writing the paycheck. And at the end of the day, you have to make them happy. So yeah, you, have to, yeah. you have to be humble and you have to take yourself out of it and your ego out of it. But that doesn't mean that you can't find a way in to have a personal connection. So a couple of years ago when we did one of the dental commercials, it was about a little boy with an underbite. And over the course of the commercial, 
he uh, you know has dental work done while also being intercut with why his personal life sucks because he doesn't have good teeth. Yeah, so, yeah. We'll make fun of him, and you know he has low confidence and whatnot. And then at the end, you know they take the braces off. He's now a senior in high school, and he's going to the prom, and he smiles for the first time. Well, that was that was really about my little brother and growing up with him and having his underbite and and watching him, you know, hate smiling and and how that. Yeah, that I was just, a child of braces too. <laughs> yeah, so so you have to find a way in, I think, as a creative, um, where you can latch onto it personally. And there are going to be projects, I mean, where you're you're just doing it for the paycheck because you have to survive. I mean, I I doubt there's lots of lines of work where people aren't necessarily there because they love doing it. So I don't think films any different in that regard, but. I don't think there's anything wrong with surviving financially and and also doing what you love because I, <laughs> film is such a hard thing to financially ex- excel at. Yeah. And I think anytime you have the opportunity to do something, it's a privilege. So I try and keep that in mind whenever I'm working on something and just not look at it as selling out, but look at it as, you know, you're, you're building your career. And if you have to technically sell out early, in order to do your dream project later on that nobody wants to finance, I think that's a pretty fair trade-off. Yeah. In my well, you could always end up like Kevin Smith where he just funds his own goofy stuff now at the end. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that, that would be the end goal. But if, if, you know, if you came to me with a script and you had 100% financing for it and you're like, look, I really want you to, re- uh, to direct it, I'd read through the script and, and see if I connected with the material um, on some level. And if you know, if I agreed with it, if there's nothing in there that was too out there <laughs> that I didn't believe in. And I'd, I'd probably take it then if, if it was a job because it's, you, you have to remove yourself from things and take work where it is. <laughs> yeah, of course, because I'm actually trying to finalize a time with another upcoming guest and he's in a similar situation to you where he's made a few short films, but primarily he would do commercials as well. And he was just having an issue with... I don't know, I probably can't talk about it on air, but... <laughs> you can cut this part out. Yeah, yeah, but it was just an issue with the client where they wanted one of their, we'll say, relatives actually in the commercial and stuff. And it was a case of trying to politely, you know, tell them that's not a good idea sort of thing. Yeah. So, like, where does your integrity lie, I suppose, is kind of the theme I'm trying to catch out of that. Like, if... What's what's the complete no no for yourselves if you were producing something like would you I suppose would you do anything for a paycheck or is there certain things that you wouldn't do? <laughs> no, I mean there's there's definitely things we wouldn't do. Yeah, sure. Um, I think everybody has kind of a, a level of integrity that they they dictate, and you know there's there's like we wouldn't do pornography, um, or we wouldn't do something that like I I probably wouldn't do like a Donald Trump commercial. Yeah, um, right, right. Topical. So, <laughs> there's, there's things I wouldn't do, but on the flip side, I don't necessarily like. I, I may bite my teeth and be like, "Man, that's an awful idea." Glad it's not my money. And then, like, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you put it in context, and and you're like, you know, you're there to make them happy. Yeah. So you, you have to do everything you can to do that, and offer advice where you can, and try and guide them. But if, if ultimately the client or whoever's producing the project wants it done a certain way you have to you have to do that and then take your paycheck and and go do things your own way with your own money but yeah because because our, our name's still going to be on it so for example yeah like yeah 
YouTube advert, and then afterwards, if PGC Studios come up, <laughs> they'd be like, oh, well, that obviously, you know, like, yeah, you, you, yeah, you have to be careful. Um, Anything morally, like, if I object to something morally, that's different. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't do the work. But if it was more of a creative difference, you just do that it. Yeah. Me as much. It's, it's more of like a, a moral difference. Yeah, know? no, that's fair enough. So, yeah. guys, this is actually episode 10. So we said we said we'd come up with a little bit of a a section. We we can probably end on this section because it's it's kind of getting a bit late for myself over here. <laughs> but you have your kind of top ten. Did we say horror films or films? I can't remember. I think we said horror, horror films. Yeah. yeah, top ten horror horror films. So you, you took five each, and I suppose we'll start with Chloe as kind of quick and as precise as you can. Why did you pick the film? Do you have to say why it's one of your faves and give the order as well if you could. Okay, number one would be um, a Korean film called Hansel and Gretel. Over any film, I know that sounds really random, but it's it's very creepy and I think it was done. It's the scariest and um, has a really good story where you're like, oh my gosh. And I love it when you don't know if a villain is a villain or not or how they became a villain. So I'll be real quick. That's yeah, Watch very Hansel. very traditional Korean name, Hansel and Gretel there. Yeah, it's a Korean version because <laughs> there's other like Hansel and Gretels like that always come up when you search it. Like I think there's a film called like Hansel and Gretel Got Baked. Oh, very good. So you know, none of that. It's the Korean horror film. <laughs> Excellent. Um, number two, Nightmare on Elm Street. Just love it so much. I love Freddy Krueger. I think it's a really a really great concept and um, Wes Craven made that horror film because no one can't sleep. You have to sleep. You can't get away with it, which means that like you're going to think about it at some point. Oh, it's such a good horror film. Yeah. yeah. Um, number three. <laughs> so is the deep blue sea, the shark one. All right. Wouldn't be <laughs> anywhere near my top list. <laughs> yeah, I know it's a bad movie, but it was my fit. It's more like a childhood movie. Yeah. Yeah. I used to love it as a kid. I used to have it on like VHS. I used to tape it when it was on the TV. Yeah, is that the one with the like super intelligent sharks or something? Yeah. Oh, it's so stupid, but it's amazing. <laughs> I love it, and it will always be on my top list because I'm so frightened of sharks. <laughs> like, I'm so yeah. frightened of sharks. It's unrealistic. So I used to watch that over and over as a child. One of my favorite films. I don't care what anyone says. Yeah, great. Um, scream. Number four is Scream. Yeah, Wes Craven's good. Yeah, so awesome. Uh, it's very voyeuristic, and I love that you're dealing with what happens in a horror movie while watching a horror movie. Yeah, yeah. Be better. And number five is Don't Breathe. <laughs> oh, very good. Yeah, that, that's mine. We talked about that, so I'll let you. I'll let Philip start his diverse list. Excellent. So. I guess before I start my list, I, I, I made an alternate one, uh, depending on what your rules were for this. So, Jesus, um, I don't think I gave any rules today. <laughs> do, do thrillers count as a horror film? Or are you looking for just horror? Uh, no, we'll go. Since you said you didn't like horror, we'll go for the thrillers. So you can go okay. for those. Right. You, you should hear his horror list. <laughs> okay, look, just shout out the names of the horror list and then we'll go with your thrillers. All right, so the horror list. Um, number one would be Saw. Okay, yeah. Uh, number two is Saw 6. Okay. Uh, number three is Saw 3. Right, right. <laughs> and then uh, number four would be The Exorcist. Right, not Saw uh, 
three, you know? <laughs> I don't two even. Uh, and then number five uh, would probably be uh, which one? I'll go with Silence of the Lambs. So for the sounds of that top five there, you've only seen four horror movies. <laughs> I really like Silence. Which, which, oh, which one isn't a horror movie in your eyes? Uh, I would have said Silence of the Lambs isn't a horror there. Okay. Okay, fair enough. I, I mean, technically it's a thriller, so I, I agree with you. Yeah. But, so you must uh, really be looking forward to Saw Legacy. Is that right? Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited. I mean, that... that there's obvious uh, obvious issues in in various films of that series, but uh, <laughs> as a whole, like I love uh, mystery and twists, and I just loved how like every time I went there, I knew that I would feel like a fool by the end of it because like the twist was usually like right at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so with that, that you have to tell us your thriller top five. So okay, so the top five for the thriller um, number one is Jurassic Park. Um, yeah. That was the film that got me into making movies. Um, I started watching that. And I was born in 91. That came out in 94, I believe. And pretty much the moment that it like hit TV as like a rerun. Yeah, yeah. Like 95, 96. Like, I watched that nonstop. I, I love that film. And for my 10th birthday, um, a good friend of ours bought me uh, a Jurassic Park VHS tape. And it was one of those dual packs where, like, the second VHS tape had all the special features. Like, this was before DVDs, but it had, like, a making of tape. Oh, and cool. I watched that, like, religiously because I thought it was so cool how they brought the dinosaurs to life and everything that went into making that movie. Um, I probably watched that behind the scenes just as much as I watched the film. Yeah, yeah. And that's what got me to uh, ask my dad to borrow his video camera when I was 10. And I made a remake of Jurassic Park with Legos. So if it wasn't Great. for that film... Yeah, because uh, wasn't that, uh, that was like one of the, remember they had the, like the Lego Creator Studio, which was like stop motion. I think yes. uh, Jurassic Park was actually the first ones of those, wasn't it? Yeah, they, they had the dinosaur one. Yeah, um, yeah. That's what I used. I, I didn't use the, the camera for the Creator Studio, but I had like the dinosaur Legos and we made a little movie, me and my younger brother. And that's <laughs> where all this began. Yeah, no, we're in and around the same age, so yeah. No, because <laughs> no, I was going to mention Jurassic Park earlier when you were mentioning the CGI blended with kind of prosthetics and practical oh, effects. Yeah. That was kind of a pioneering film for that, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I, I would argue that the effects in the original Jurassic Park are as good, if not better, than Jurassic World. Oh, uh, much better, yeah. Because they mixed those animatronics with the CG, and they only used the CG where it was necessary. Yeah, of course. Uh, which makes it hold up better today. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Jurassic Park number one. Number two would be Saw. Um, okay. I was it's like bad to like say this. I think I was like twelve or thirteen when I saw the first Saw movie. Yeah, uh, yeah. probably the same age. Yeah. My mind was like blown by that twist. Oh, I thought, so good. So good. One of my personal like life dreams is to direct a Saw film. So I'm glad that they're revitalizing the series. So like maybe if the honeymoon phase works out. James Wan, if you're listening, I'd love to do Saw Legacy 2. Um, Get this to the top. James Wan, come on. (laughs) (laughs) Number three would be The Exorcist, then. I know today it's not scary, but I I still think, like, the story holds up and the acting's phenomenal, and I I used to be, like, very religious, so, like, I love that aspect of it. Um, I think it's, like, just the 
the priests uh, struggle with faith, I think, is very fascinating and interesting. Yeah, yeah. That a lot of people can relate to. Ten Cloverfield Lane is number four. Right. Very uh, good. Which, I haven't actually seen that yet. Oh, it's so oh, good. Oh, okay. I, so I, I'll keep this part of the conversation quick. Then. Yeah. I will. But I just love it. It's a great film. The director Dan Trachtenberg. He actually went to the college that I went to, Temple University. So I think that's okay, cool. Yeah. And his dad actually um, is a dentist and was my dentist as a child. Oh, thank um, you. Which is pretty cool. So I, I've never met Dan. I'd love to someday. But I think his film's phenomenal. And it was one of the inspirations for the honeymoon phase in regards to how they were able to tell a story in one location pretty much. Great. Um, keep your interest and really keep you on the edge of your seat. So number five then would be Silence of the Lambs. Um, oh, excellent. I think it's a great film too. And again, awesome twists, which I think Saw actually stole like a couple twists from Silence of the Lambs at different points in the series. Yeah, yeah. But I, it's just a great film, fantastic acting. Um, so yeah, I like I like my horror more on the thriller uh, side, but I'll still watch a good slasher uh, with Chloe. <laughs> great, great. Stuff. I don't like horror films that is like, so I love all the sorts, which to me are like, <laughs> poster for horror well you could probably like squash them into like one movie maybe i think you could i i think i would just say the saw series yeah that that's kind of fair enough yeah so are you a fan of saw uh yeah last year actually with my girlfriend we watched all seven of them you said yes. seven out seven. yeah so we kind of watched them and they just literally blended into each other because yeah. i think around like three four or five they're all like backwards forwards sideways yeah. and you're just like what the fuck and then <laughs> there was that like FBI agent nearly looked identical to the cop in some that, scenes. It's so funny you said that the first time we saw that in theaters too. We were getting so confused. Yeah, uh, yeah, they look very, very similar, and we were just like, "What the fuck is going on?" And then at the end, you see them face to face, and they look really different. You're like, "Fucking hell!" Maybe, <laughs> maybe we weren't uh, like paying much attention or something. I don't know. <laughs> no, you're you're in good company there. Yeah. No. Well, guys, I'd say we could nearly wrap up. Where could we find you online? We'll start with yourself, Chloe, with Fear Crip Productions and everything that you're heading there. Do you wanna tell us where we can find you? All this will be in the show notes, but just in case people just yeah, want to um, hear you say it out loud. <laughs> if you go to www.pgc-studios.com <laughs> And there will be a Fair Crypt tab at the end. So you'll be able to see all PGC Studios work. And then if you're not interested and you just want to see horror, go Great. straight to the And Fair since Crypt. I found you on Twitter, and this will most likely be pumped out heavily on Twitter, where can I get you on Twitter? Um, just type in Fair Crypt Productions. We'll come up. Excellent stuff. Well, guys, thank you very much for coming on. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And uh, I hope you enjoy the Horror Festival today. Yes. Thank, thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much for having us. It was great chatting with the horror merchant. <laughs> the, fear. <laughs> the, fear. <laughs> the fear merchant, guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I'm sorry. We talked about horror so much. I'm, I'm sorry. Let you me, really, let... really did good homework there. Great stuff. <laughs> I'll give you a new uh, little end tag there. It was great chatting with the fear merchants. Excellent, excellent. Well, guys, thanks again, and sure, we'll talk again soon in the next coming days. Cheers. And that, ladies and gentlemen, concludes my chat with Chloe and Philip. I hope you enjoyed it. They're a really fun bunch. I had a great time chatting with them. 
nice cameo at the end there with the horror merchant, my arch nemesis. Damn you. Damn you. So, um, yeah, next coming weeks, a couple of guests lined up already. I can't keep on top of it. Maybe I'm going to have to have a more frequent schedule, but every two weeks for now is good for me, and I hope it's good for you, the listener. As always, you can continue the discussion over on Twitter at the fear merchant and all the other fear merchants uh hit me up there website etc thefearmerchant.com facebook instagram youtube everywhere so there you go so until next time you keep off the mean streets and stay inside and watch some lovely horror movies thanks again for stopping by the bazaar Come back any time.